0: Hey guys, we're we'll going to get into another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's going kind of a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys find the podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe here or anywhere else you can get your podcast. We're just so thankful you guys are here, you found us, and that you guys are with us today. All right, guys, so for this podcast, I'm so excited for this one. I think when I put this out on social media... Um, I think the response from this was really good, and I'm really looking forward to kind of talking with you on this and studying uh, about this topic with you a little bit more, too. So I'm really excited. So again, really quick before we get started, remember, I hope by Thursday of this week, don't quote me, but I hope by Thursday, maybe Friday, that we have the second animation whiteboard session out. So the first one's already out, so just go on the YouTube page, just uh, look up Whiteboard Sessions, and you'll see an animated thing on David and Goliath. You can check that out. And then the second one, hopefully, will be out by Friday, Thursday of this week. Um, so I appreciate you guys' support um, of everything that we're doing here at the podcast. All right, so as you guys are getting your kind of tablets ready, if you're walking, uh, if you're in the gym, whatever that you're doing, if you're in a group study, whatever the case might be... Um, here's where we want to go as we're kind of getting prepped to study. And I think by understanding this concept a little bit more, you'll understand where we're going to go. Okay. So here's the thing about a, about a lie. A lie doesn't always have to be so blatant. For example, that's like me saying, Hey, the sun doesn't exist. You know, that's, that's a literal blatant lie because the sun was shining on my face walking in this morning. So That's a blatant out front in your face. This cannot be real truth lie. Okay. So a lie doesn't always have to be that blatant. A lie could be something that is taught and that is believed and turned into tradition. So now it's not really out in front as much. It's kind of a, it kind of turns into a, this is what we do or this is how things are, or this is just how we do it, or this is how we've always done. So now that's not necessarily as blatant as the first one, is it? But it doesn't mean that just because it's not as blatant, it doesn't mean that it's not a lie. For example, let me give you an example. There was once a um, a, a young mother who wanted to learn how to, how to cook, right? And she was learning from uh, – from her, from her grandmother, from, you know, her sister-in-laws, she was learning from all these people. So they're in, they're in the kitchen together and they're making a, they're making a ham for Christmas. And as they're making this ham, the grandmother takes off the wrapping that's on that ham and she puts the ham upside down, right? So they glaze it, they do everything they want to do with it, but then they put it upside down. And so the young mother looks at the grandmother and says, well, why did you, why did you put the ham upside down? And the grandmother said, well, that's how my mother taught me. That's how her mother taught her. That's how her mother taught her. Like, this is just how it is. And, you know, this is just how we make it, right? So, okay. So she puts it in the oven. And so the young mother does something that a generation, multiple generations of women didn't do. She took the instructions out of the trash can and she read the instruction. And the instruction said, make sure after you do everything you want to the ham that you put the ham right side up, not upside down. And so she showed the grandmother the instructions. This is what the instructions say that we should do with the ham. And the grandmother snatched the the instructions out of that young mother's hand and threw it back in the trash and said, the way that we do it is always right. So are you saying that my grandmother was wrong? Are you saying that my mother was wrong? Are you saying that they're wrong? You're saying a, you're saying a generation of people that came before you. You're saying that they were wrong. What do you know? I just read the instruction. So isn't it interesting that a lie that was so traditional? Isn't it interesting that in that story, that the older generation, the the grandmother, the isn't it interesting that in that in that example? that even though something was literally written in black and white of how to prepare it because this is how we've been doing it that's more important to me than literally what's been written so here's why i bring these here's why i bring this up as we kind of study and converse today here's one of those lies that i believe number one society has accepted and i believe from their perspective it's straight up blatant Right. It's, it's like that example of the sun's not there. Right. It's very blatant. But from people who follow or who, who are followers of Jesus, it's not as blatant, but it's still presented to us in the same way as it is presented to others. And here's the lie as we kind of get started you have to be strong. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, we're going to get into this. Here's the lie you got to be strong. So, so our our podcast title, like we put on social media, is you have to be strong, right? Question mark. You got to be strong, right? Question mark. Isn't that interesting that that lie that we've kind of ta- told ourselves about? Man, you just got to be strong, and it's it, it's interesting to me that when you got people really going through something, when you got people who've lost a loved one, when you got someone who is divorced, when you have kids from a divorced home, when you got someone dealing with disease, when you got someone that's dealing with a heartache, when you got someone dealing with all these other issues that you could put in this blank. And we tell them, Be strong, because there's a verse in the Bible that says be strong. Because there's a verse or multiple verses that says be strong, that's what you have to do if you don't have faith. So then what we what we do is we kind of put two and two together with a bad theology, and we say, well, if you're not this, then therefore, number one, you're not strong, and then number two, your faith is weak because you're not strong right now. So what we tend to do, and I don't think we do this, and I and I want to make this clear. I don't think we do this with a malintent mindset. I don't think we have malice in our hearts where we try to trick people to do this. I don't think we have... Uh, evil intent I think this is just one of those things just like the how the grandmother prepared the ham this is just something that's just been passed down right I I just think that's just what we say and as we look at this what's very interesting is I was reading a book this week uh, and I'll, I'll give you that information if you want it so dm me but the book was talking about weakness and isn't it interesting this is kind of where the book was going isn't it interesting that as a society, isn't it interesting that we are so enamored with the idea of being strong in said situations? Meaning, if I'm an athlete, my goal is to be strong in whatever situation. Even if I'm hurt, I can't show weakness. If I'm a single mother, I cannot show weakness or I can't show weakness that I'm in need of another person to help me with this. So I have to be strong in said situation. I'm a single man. I am a single woman. I don't need anyone else based off of what I'm doing right now. Because if somebody was added to my life, all they will become is a weight to me. I'm, I'm, I'm going upward. I'm trending upward financially. I'm trending upward with my career. I'm trending upward. So basically, anyone else that could be added to my situation right now, it's basically a weight. So I don't really need anything holding me down. We're so enamored with this idea of, of either real strength or perceived strength. We're enamored with it. Like it's literally in our face and it's not as blatant of a lie as the sun is not there. But it is, so, it, is, it is so strategically said that it just becomes something that we do, right? It becomes a thing. This is just what we do. If you're in this situation, this is how you're supposed to feel. If you're in said state, this is how you're supposed to feel. But this book, as, as it talked about strength, Here's what's interesting that I believe this is something that, and again, we always got to point at ourselves to see where we are. I believe this is something that um, that I've missed. And if, if you're being honest, as we kind of conversate and talk today, maybe this is something you've missed too. Okay. Maybe this is something that you've missed too. When you think about strength, there's so many verses that the Bible mentions, especially going in the Old Testament. Think about Joshua chapter one, verse six, Joshua chapter one, verse seven, Joshua chapter one, verse nine. You talk about three times that God, Moses, that the the emphasis to Joshua was to be strong and courageous, right? Be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong. So in those situations, we kind of take things from scripture and we kind of stay on the surface. And because it says be strong, that has to mean that I have to have a perceived strength or I have to have a real strength in every situation in order to be strong. Here's, here's something that I think the Bible is going to prove to us, guys. God is not a God that is trying to promote strength in you. I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds off. But just think about this for a second. God is not a God that's trying to promote strength. God is a God that's trying to produce weakness. I'll tell you, okay, we're conversating on this. I'm telling you guys, as I, as I heard this stuff, it didn't make sense. It, it went against everything you've ever been taught. It went against every lesson you've ever heard. It went against every application you've ever heard. It's like how was that cannot be real. That can't be true. God is trying to produce weakness. Okay. He's trying to produce weakness. Now, <laughs> this is great. I'm telling you, this is it's incredible. So uh, let's start here. Go to uh go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start there. Go to 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 and let's begin in verse in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's begin in verse seven. So um, let's kind of get started on this study. And I think that these these thoughts will kind of help you as we kind of go through this. So verse seven, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Let's stop right there. So notice how Paul starts this off in verse seven. So this idea of what Paul had from God, he said at the beginning of the verse, the text says... Lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, what is Matthew chapter five, verse three? The basis of basically everything we've been looking at for the past two or three years together. This is the journey that I've been on, and it's kind of transferred over to the podcast. But think about Matthew chapter five, verse three. The first words in the in the greatest sermon ever preached from God, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. So If our real strength or our perceived strength, if that was the goal, then according to the book of Proverbs, then we always quote this, right? Pride goes before the fall, right? So if pride is real or perceived strength, if we can put two and two together, what does pride always result in? Personal exaltation. So what did Paul say? Lest I should be exalted above measure. So this is your this is your first proof. God is not trying to produce strength in you. God is trying to produce weakness. But we have trying to proceed, and we try to hold this. And I think our our idea of strength as followers of God, I don't think for us it's necessarily about. Real strength in certain aspects. I think for us, what we try to do with each other, whether in person, whether through social media, whether through whatever the case might be, I think we try to prove to others that we have a perceived strength. I think that's what we try to prove. I think we prove to others that we have a perceived, well, I mean, he's, he's just out there. She's just out there. They're just doing, they're going crazy. They're doing all this great stuff. They're writing all this great stuff. They're doing all this great stuff. They're they're here. They're there. They're here. They're there. Man, they're the, they're the strongest Christian that I know. And then in order to uphold that image to everyone else that believes that, then we have to show a level of perceived strength. But then. What happens if that pillar, what happens if that pillar falls? Then what happens to someone else's faith? What happens to their faith? What happens to, so you see the problems that can potentially exist because of this. So think about what Paul is saying. Less I should be exalted above measure. That's that's not what I need. I don't need to be exalted above measure. So if we can put two and two together, God is not trying to produce strength within you. He's trying to produce weakness. Think about your physical body. As your body gets older, does your body get stronger or does it get weaker? It gets weaker. Yeah, you can work out all you you can look great, right? And I'm not saying that don't take care of your body. But even if you eat well and, and look great, at your body's decaying. Even even if you can gain certain levels of strength and health down the line. But either way, your body is decaying. So think about the lesson that God is trying to teach us just with our physical bodies. We start off very strong and prideful and have all this strength, have all this energy, have all this. You see kids running around the church building and you hear the old people say, man, I wish I had some of their energy, right? Because that's where they used to be. But as your body decays, your body that was once strong, it produces weakness. So think about, think about the example that Paul always uses. We are, as a whole and individually, we are the body of Christ. So sometimes when we start off, what are we with each other and what are we individually? We're prideful. We have some ego. We have some, we have some self-centeredness. We've got some self-righteousness. We've got all these things. But as you grow and you walk with the Lord in your relationship with him, you begin to understand he's not trying to produce strength within me. He's trying to produce weakness. Why? What's the first reason? He's trying to produce weakness lest I should be exalted. That's not my position in the body of Christ. My position is to never be exalted. And if I am exalted, guess what that can produce? That can produce pride and that can produce a perceived strength. So Paul says, look, lest that should happen, notice what he says, lest that should happen. And even going back real quick, even going back to verse six, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool for I will speak the truth, but I will refrain lest anyone, here we go, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. You see, Paul understood there's a dark side to this. What's the dark side? The dark side to this is I can be perceived just because of the work that I do for God, I could be perceived to be more than what I am. I could be perceived in more than what people see. And that's a dangerous spot to be in if you embrace that. If you embrace that. So Paul said, Lest I should be exalted, if that happens, by the abundance of revelations that I speak, what did God have to do? Oh, God made me stronger. God, God, God gave me all this stuff. God gave me all this talent. God gave me all this ability. God gave me all this money. God gave me all these people to talk to. What did God give me? God gave me a thorn in the flesh. And notice. I love how the text says this. The Bible says it was a thorn in the flesh that was given. So what does that imply and indicate that Paul may or may not have had that before? It was given to me. Think about that for a second. Think about the things that people go through. And I'm not saying that these things were literally given by God, but we're trying to have a conversation and we're trying to build this idea and thought. Think about the things that may or may not have been given to you by God, maybe health-wise, maybe financial-wise, maybe whatever you want to put in that blank. You're thorn in the flesh, lest you should be exalted above measure. You know, God is—the way that he works in our human mind is, is confusing and sometimes it's unfair but God knows our need, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He knows our need. And so He's not going to give you something that may be inherently good, and He may not take something away that may be inherently good to take away. He may let that happen and He may allow it. Because if you have said thing, or if said thing is taken away, what might happen for you that only God in His infinite knowledge knows? this might make you higher than what you think you are. I think about Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel reveals to him his dream, and Daniel pleads with Nebuchadnezzar, and he tells him, Lord King, please just just admit to the Lord that he is high. Months pass by, and Nebuchadnezzar goes on his palace in the book of Daniel, and he says, look at this great Babylon that I have built. And from that moment, he became a beast until he extolled the Most High from heaven. You know, the thorn in the flesh, when we first have it, whatever it is for you, sometimes we we don't know what to do with that because maybe in our prideful, ego, self-righteous mindset, we don't think we deserve it. God, look at all the work that I'm doing for you. If this was taken away, I could do more. If this was given, I could do more. If if this was this, I could do more. Why would you give this to me? So now you kind of have this argument phase with God about your thorn in the flesh, which is natural. I'm not saying that's a sin, but you're trying to understand why God would allow something to happen, or why would God allow something so amazing and precious and incredible? Why would he allow that to be taken away from you? So then you kind of have that talk with him. But sometimes, just like Nebuchadnezzar, those years, however long that was, 77, whatever the case might be, he had a long period of time to think about his position. And it's interesting that at the end of that, Nebuchadnezzar says that God has the ability to humble those who walk in pride. So think about our what we've been saying up to this point. God is not trying to produce strength in you. He's trying to produce weakness. He's trying to produce weakness. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Lest, lest, anybody that hears me speak through this podcast mic, hears me speak in person, hears me on a video, hears me do this, hears me go here, hears me go there, hears me say all this stuff. Lest I should be exalted above measure. I was given something. I was given something to humble me. A thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. A messenger. Of Satan, the text continues to say in verse 7, to buffet me, to fight with me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Isn't it interesting Paul said that twice? Paul did not want to be exalted above measure. But guess what? According to the book of Philippians, what what did Paul have to do? Paul said, I had to learn. I had to learn to be content. I had to learn to be content in whatever state that I am then I can do all things through Christ. It's it's an interesting thing. When you talk about real perceived strength, if you're honest as we study this, it actually takes more strength to prove to people that you're strong. I don't want you to miss that. It actually takes more strength to prove to people that you're stronger than what you think you are. And here's a side effect of that. When you sin and when you fall, you're more afraid of what people are going to think rather than what God thinks. Because you've built up a level of perceived strength to such a level that if you slip one time, if you do something one time, oh, I let I let this name down, I let this, I let this, I let this, I let... So now you're so... And again, I'm not saying that that shouldn't be a part of your conscience, but that is your number one priority. That's different. Why aren't we afraid to let God down? Why are we afraid... Why are we not afraid to hurt God's heart? So then now what that does another side effect of trying to have perceived strength in front of people is now your repentance is never going to be real. Your repentance is going to be damage control. That's scary, dude. Your repentance is not going to be real. Your repentance is going to be damage control. What? Damage control for what? Your perceived image of strength. It's a scary spot to be in, guys. It's a scary. There's a dark side. Think about this. Think about Saul. When, when we talked about this with uh, <clears throat> the Saul, and, or not the Saul, the Jonathan and, and David series. Well, really Jonathan, but David was in there a lot. Think about what Saul did. Remember when, when Samuel told Saul, kill everything. Do not bring anything back. No spoils, no nothing. Destroy everything. Utterly destroy it. And then the people bring back things. People bring back animals. Samuel comes back, why do I hear this bleeding of sheep? Well, the people did it. Well, now the kingdom's rent from you. So then, isn't it interesting that instead of having real repentance, Saul said, honor me now in front of the people. So what Saul, what was his concern? His concern wasn't that he hurt the heart of God. His concern was, I have to keep my image of perceived strength in front of these people. You see the side effects of this? The snowball, guys, I'm telling you, it gets so big that you become somebody that you don't even recognize anymore. You don't even know who you are anymore because you're trying to be so strong for other people. You have no idea who you are anymore. And this is why Paul here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this is why Paul is saying to us multiple times, verse 6 I don't want to boast. I'm trying to refrain, lest anybody, even though I'm doing great things for God, lest anybody should think about me above what he sees or hears from me. It's not about Paul. It's not about me. It's not about. So in order for it not to be about me, lest I should be exalted above measure in doing great things for God, God gave me a thorn in the flesh something else to produce weakness, something else to produce weakness. I'm telling you guys, it was a, it was a weird concept. It was a weird concept when I started looking at this and this is not just like something I looked at this week. This is something I've been looking at for man, probably the past, probably the past year, maybe two years and this is the lie that we've accepted and this is the lie that even i've taught and this is the lie that we just believe is real because this is just what everybody says just be strong be strong think about think about what joshua had to be joshua had to be strong we even go as far as think about matthew 26 think about what jesus had to be jesus had to be strong Think about what the apostles had to be in all those situations in every congregation that was written. They had to be strong in a sense, but God had to make all of them weak. Why do we talk about that? God had to make them weak. Notice as we keep going, verse 8, concerning this thing that I got from God that was given, I pleaded with the Lord. Is there things that man, it are there things that are that were taken or people that were taken or situations or whatever the case might be. And do you do you understand the concept of what it means to plead with the Lord? I'm talking about Let's, let's just assume, just for sake of argument, to make this more real. You have someone who's trying to show a perceived strength in front of everybody. But then when they're by themselves in their car, in their room, in their house, they plead. They're on the ground. Tears flowing. They just don't understand. Do you understand what it means? Have you ever pleaded with God? I'm not saying that you really had one good prayer and you just did. I mean, I'm talking about this was a life, a lifestyle thing you did daily. I pleaded with my God. I pleaded with him to take it away. I cried every day for him to take it away or bring it back. I pleaded just just real quick as we kind of stop here for a second what's scary about this verse perceive scary what what's scary about it is when you plead to the Lord about things that are inherently good and the Lord still says no that's a scary thought for us it's a really 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 scary thought because now your mind goes down a multiverse of wormholes because now you're wondering, well, why would God take it away for others? Why would God give it to others? Am I not worthy? Am I, do I not have something? Is there something wrong with me that this was taken away? You know what I mean? Now you start to think about all these things and now your view of God for you personally is different. And now, the pleading turns into into pain and we're kind of afraid to get to that spot because when you get to that point, you kind of realize there's nothing you can do. It's out of your control it's out of your it's out of your it's out of your power. there's nothing you could do. And now the only thing you can do with whatever thorn in the flesh is given, all you can do is plead. There's nothing else you could do. And Paul is Paul is opening up his heart to us, to the Corinthian congregation here, and to us as, as the readers. I've pleaded for God to take this away. Then the text says, I didn't do this just one time. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. Lord, this pain... This, this, whatever that you're feeling, this, whatever that you want, this, whatever that was taken, this, whatever that your body has to face, whatever that you lost, whoever that you lost. God, I don't know if I can take this. I just don't know if I'm built like that. You know, have you ever had that conversation with yourself? I don't, because of our perceived strength of what we think we need to be, because that's what everybody tells us to be. I don't know if I'm built for this. I honestly, I don't think I'm built for this. I don't think I could do this. At least the way that you want me to do it. I don't think I'm built for this. Paul said, I, I plead it three times. But then watch how he puts this amazing bow on this. Verse nine. And he said to me, stop right there. Isn't it a, it's a scary thought to know That the things that you're pleading to God about, because he knows what you need, he may say no. But isn't it a beautiful thought that as Paul was pleading with God, that God talked back with him. This is why right here, that phrase, verse 9, and he said to me, this is why this is so important. And this is why this proves the point. God is not trying to produce strength in you. God is trying to produce weakness. Because in the weakness, now God can work with that. When I was at my weakest point, Paul said, so that I would not boast, verse 7, so that I would not be exalted, or verse 6, so that I would not be exalted twice, verse 7. All this happened so that now I can be in such a Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 state. I could be so poor in spirit that I know who I am in front of God. I know who I am in front of anybody that I talk in front of. I know who I am. I'm seeing myself correctly. Why? Because I'm suffering. God gave me something. Then he talked to me. Isn't that an interesting? Isn't that a beautiful phrase that all that pleading, all that hurt, but the moment that Paul was at his ultimate weakest, that's when God spoke to him. Here's something I like to propose. Is it very possible? We always talk about Look at the things the Lord was doing in Scripture. Look at the things the Lord was doing at this time. Look at the things that the Lord was doing at that time. Look at the look at the amazing things that the Lord was doing. Isn't it interesting that the common denominator when the Lord was doing all those great things is those people knew how weak they were, and they knew who they were in front of people, and they knew who they were in front of God. God can use a man like that. God can use a family like that. God could use a woman like that. God can use a congregation like that. But we had to get out of this. Well, we've always done this. You see, and this is the this is the the part that kind of scares me because I was here. Now we change the argument because our hearts are so hard, is now what we do is, well, that can't be true because just like that grandmother in the beginning. So you saying you saying grandma's wrong? You saying papa's wrong? You saying brother so and so is wrong? You're saying this place is wrong? You're saying that person is wrong? So now we're changing the argument because what we what we know people aren't going to do, we know people aren't going to try to say, "Well, brother so and so or something." You see, we try to change the argument and we kind of give a spiritual ultimatum to people and we try to justify what we what we're doing has got to be right. It's got to be right because Because they did it. Have we not learned in our humility to search like the Bereans? And why are we so afraid to search for truth? Could it be very possible that as we search for truth and you dig and you dig and you look and you look and you check and you check and you pray and you pray and you read and you read and you find that what you're doing is right? Okay, that's great. But you did what you're supposed to do. You didn't just trust your own pride. You didn't trust your own self-righteousness. You looked. But is it is it also possible that you could do all those things and you could say, whoa, maybe I'm off on this. Guess what it takes to even say that? Weakness. But we're all so caught up in our own self-righteousness that we're too afraid to let down a group of people rather than search what Jesus wants us to see. We don't even—the instructions that were left— they become secondary to the feeling of what everybody else wants to do. Humble, right? It's pride. That's pride. It's interesting, Jesus began talking to Paul once he realized how weak he actually was. Then he said this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, the thing that we've been trying to perceive in front of others our whole Christian lives, my strength is made perfect in what, everybody? In weakness. Do you understand why? God is God has never, and God will never try to produce strength within you. Now let's finish that he's not trying to produce strength in you he's trying to produce weakness in you so that he could give you his strength that's what I've missed let's be real that's what I've missed have you missed that
1: oh no I can't no no, no. That, can't. That,
0: that, that, that can't be right no 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 I'm not I'm not here <laughs> trying to argue with you that you don't that's just a hard heart we don't want to look. We want to be so strong. We want to have this. The image is so, it's so important. Rather than I am a weak vessel, however the Lord wants to use me, in whatever capacity, that's, that's what I submit to that will. You see how Paul submitted to this? My strength is made perfect in weakness. So yeah, does God want us to be strong? Not in your own self-righteousness, not in your own knowledge, not in your own tradition. Be strong in what I give you. Isn't it interesting that in John chapter 15, verse five, that Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. How can I bring forth fruit? Is the fruit off my knowledge? Is the fruit off my talent? Is the fruit off of my real or perceived strength? That's not where the fruit comes from. Where does fruit come from? Fruit comes from loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But fruit also comes from knowing that without me, the text says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. And until you are humble to the point where you are on the ground, that's when I'll start talking to you. But you can have whatever position you want to have. I'll leave you alone. Because you got it. You got it. But until you see who you actually are, I can't do anything with you. Different. Different, isn't it? Watch what he says at the end of verse verse 9. Therefore, now what's, what's your vision now, Paul, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. So does this mean that, that when I have a thorn in the flesh and when I have an infirmity, Therefore, if I'm boasting in it, does that mean that, I, that all I do is talk about how God is hurting me? Hey, guess what, brethren? God gave me this. This is humbling me. Hey, guess what, brethren? God gave me this. This is humbling me. Hey, brethren, guess what? God gave me this. this is, so is that what Paul is saying? That when you have infirmities that you just talk about how God is hurting you? I'm not saying that that can't be effective. But Paul is not saying I'm just going to go around talking about my thorn in the flesh. This is an internal conversation he's having. He's writing to the brethren, but he's trying to get them to understand, I will rather boast in the thorn in the flesh, because what is that thorn in the, in the flesh? What does that produce? It produces weakness, which actually gives me the strength that I need from God. This is not about me. This is not about me promoting how weak I am based off of the infirmity God gave me and then and then all I do is just talk about all the things that God has done for me. I'm not saying that you, that you don't say that and you don't you don't teach that, but still you can boast about your infirmity and that's not what this is about. This is about still producing weakness. Therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities. Why? So that people can give me sympathy? Why? So that people can pat me on the back for everything that I've suffered? Why? So that people can respect me more for what I've had to go through? No. So that I could have the power that Christ might rest on me. It's not about it's not about everybody's opinions of what I'm going through. It's not about everybody's opinions of how I've... It's not about that. It's about getting that rest... And getting that strength that I've been looking for since the beginning. You see, God is not trying to produce strength in you. He's trying to produce weakness so that you can be strong in him. Therefore, Paul says, verse 10, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in needs and persecution and distress so that I can be gloried so that people can say, well, Paul is that guy. We got to be like him. The reason why Paul is saying all this stuff specifically is so that people can read about this for generations, how awesome of a guy he was. Paul is saying this because anything that that can happen, the reason why he was so specific in verse 10 is because he's saying, now I see. Everywhere around me, there are opportunities for me to be weak. If I'm in need, that's an opportunity. If I'm persecuted, that's an opportunity for me to get strength from God. If I'm hurting, that's an opportunity. If I'm in reproach from people for even saying this, that's an opportunity to get strength from God. Then he says it one more time at the end of verse 10. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. You see how easily we've believed this lie over the years? You've been trying to have a perceived strength that you got it. And guess what? You could still do the work of God with that perceived strength. That's the spooky thing about this. You could still do the work of God with this perceived strength, but only you and him knows how heavy that is. And you know you can't carry that. You know that, but in our stubbornness and in our self-righteousness, we'll just keep going. And guess what? If that's how you want to live your life, God is going to say, you've got it. You've got it. And you'll also get that acknowledgement, too, from others that you got it, too. You got it. But he's waiting on men and he's waiting on women to understand who they are in front of God and who they are in front of anybody. And he's waiting on those type of people. And God is going to make them strong with his strength. Do you want that? I want that. There's no doubt. Now, the avenue to get that, sometimes I don't want that. The way that that is produced in my life, sometimes I don't want that. The way that things are not given or taken away, I don't want that. But if I want the real strength from God, I have to submit to that. And guess what? That shows that I'm weak. So God, for you Christians, followers of Jesus, stop saying he's trying to produce strength in you because he's not. Never has. He's trying to produce weakness. So that now, if you abide in him, in your weakness, now you execute his strength. Isn't it interesting Ephesians six ten. Be strong in the Lord, though. Second Timothy chapter two verse one, be strengthened Timothy by the grace that is where in Christ. So now, if we put two and two together, what did what did Paul tell the Ephesians, and what did Paul tell Timothy to do? If you want to be strong in grace. And if you want to be strong in the Lord, what must you be in front of him? Weak. (laughs) You see how easy that was to miss all your Christian life? (laughs) It's so easy to miss, man. And I hope that if you you listen to this honestly, that you'll say, man, I missed it. And guess what, guys? If you missed it, it's okay. (laughs) I missed it for 30 years. Guess what? It's okay. It's okay if you missed it just change. Or if you just want to keep this perceived self-righteousness, I'm not going to stop you. And God's not going to stop you either. And guess what? Nobody else will either. Because you've mastered, you've literally mastered the art of perceived strength. It's a skill to you. More power to you. I don't want that anymore, though. I don't want that life anymore. No, I'm done. Produce weakness. Weakness, weakness, weakness. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you as a Christian, as a man, as a as a woman. There's nothing wrong with you saying that I need God. There's nothing wrong with you saying I need I need people in my life. I need a person in my life. I need a congregation. There's nothing wrong with saying you need people. But we've perceived and we've tricked ourselves because we've stayed on the surface of things. We've tricked ourselves into saying, I don't need anybody. I'll leave you alone. Okay. You see how we have to submit to his weakness. And Jesus, didn't he himself do it in Matthew 26? Lord, take this cup. Take this cup. But not my will, but thy will be done. When Jesus said those words, guess what God gave him? In his weakness, sweat drops of blood. What did God give him? The strength that's found in him. You see why I said this was different (laughs) while I was excited about this? And and please, I ask that you share this with somebody, and not because it's me. Share it because this is something that I believe this lie, and maybe you have too. Restudy it for yourself. Look at all this stuff again. Don't just trust me because I said it. Read this over again. Meditate on this stuff. Pray on this stuff. Let's really do what the Bereans did and check everybody. Recheck everything. And just and look at the scripture humbly. Lord, what do you want me to see out of this? I really hope, man, that this can help you guys and encourage you guys. And and before we close, I want to give you guys a shout out again because it's amazing to me that the people that I don't know, I've never met in my life, y'all just feel comfortable enough just to reach out as if I know you. Please keep doing that. Please keep doing that. I just had another one last night. You guys will not be the first Please be a part of what we got going on here. Be a part of the family here at When the Scriptures Become Real. Let us walk with you. Let's pray with you. Let's be a part of what you got going on because this is is special stuff that the Lord is showing us, and we want to share with you, and we want to grow with you in your journey with Christ. So appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Um, Lord willing, we'll be back with another podcast on Monday. Thanks, guys.